Good morning. I'm glad you guys are here. Uh, we're going to continue along in 2 Corinthians. This is probably uh, not one of my favorite, probably in my top 10 uh, of verses that through the last 26 years of me following Jesus, surrendering to Jesus, um, has been a comfort and a security. So here's the thing I want you to hear. Our greatest source of power is made out of our weakness, which is contrary to the U.S., to our great country. We think that, you know, if you're strong, then you have power. Um, the gospel, which you'll see over and over again, it's upside down to a lot of the ways we think. There's a, they, literally, people have written books about the upside-down kingdom. The first shall be last. There's so many of these other things that we think, no, not at all. Well, the one today that I believe is our ultimate source of power, it comes out of and is tapped from our weakness. So, leading to that, has anybody, don't raise your hand, been on a job interview lately or remember your last job interview? Whether you have or not, lots of people have transitioned here lately. Um, but one of the questions that they ask, and I hate it, and we know it's coming, is what is your greatest weakness? And we know it's coming, but we very rarely, me, I'm talking about, prepare for it. And then when it comes, we say something really dumb. And I, I found some dumb ones online that people say when they're asked for the weakness. This is So don't... Take notes if you're planning a job interview this week. Don't, take, don't write these. Strike these from your memory. Please don't say these. So when the interviewer asks you, what is your greatest weakness, don't look at them and say, those eyes of yours. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. And I didn't make this up. This I found. It, like I think if you Google, worst answers for this. Another one is, I don't work well with people. Oh, this, this, one, this one I've heard several times. I don't think I've ever used it. My biggest weakness is that I have too many strengths. Yep, strike number two. Another one is I don't like being told what to do. A job that you're going to end up doing something, and someone's going to have to tell you to do that one thing. Oh, here's another one. What's your greatest weakness? I am always late. And this one, this one, I like. What's your greatest weakness? Uh, people say I can be a little condescending. You know, that's when you talk down to people. <laughs> How not to get a job. So why do we struggle, and I've answered that a little bit already, why do we struggle acknowledging our weakness? Especially today, I'm going, to, I'm going to do my best to convince you that your greatest weakness, that place of surrender in that weakness, is your springboard for power. I believe that our, in our culture, weakness is bad and should be either eliminated or hidden. And to be completely honest, most people's journey in Jesus is slowed down. Or ruined because of their hidden weakness. Because they're afraid, which this should, this should be the place where it's okay to go, here's what's going on with me. Here, here's where I'm weak. 
because we, we, we use this collective family to get stronger. We use the Holy Spirit. But the, the lie is you walk in these doors, you've got to act perfect. The lie is when you walk in these doors, any of those weakness, they have to be hidden. And in our hidden weakness, we're stuck. When things are brought to the light, there's freedom in them. So today, Paul will help us understand that weakness, acknowledging, being okay with, and I don't mean, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to unpack what weakness is. That, that acknowledging and surrendering that weakness to Jesus is our greatest road to power, and not power, because I feel like even when I say that, we're like, some people are like, yes, I want power and control. I want to take over the universe. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a power of overcoming, a power of being transformed. So let's pray before we get into the Word. Jesus, without your grace or the understanding of your grace, we'll be okay to fight through our own weakness without you. We'll be okay to hide our weaknesses from everyone else, even you. But Lord, I pray that as we hear these words that Paul wrote, the church inspired by you, that we would trust what he says and what you say, regardless of how we feel. Lord, I pray that today would be a transition peace in our own life, Lord, that there would be one one way to another, that we would walk out today going, God, I want you to be my strength. So, Lord, as your word unpacks to us the truth, I pray that you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you would allow us to trust you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul, this is actually the last uh, one for a little bit in 2 Corinthians. Um, we've been in Corinthi- 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians for the last probably two months, uh, on and off going through. Um, but just a reminder, Corinthians um, was a letter written to a church that Paul spent a lot of time investing in, pouring in. He loved this church. This church had lots of issues. I won't go in into to naming them, but it, like every other church that exists, includes, including this one, has issues. It has issues because there's people in it. That's what they're made out of. And so Paul was writing to the church wanting, because they wanted, basically he started the church and they're like, I, we want a letter of reference. You know, could you send us something that would make us feel better about you being our leader? Um, and, you know, they basically wanted a super apostle, which they talk about a little bit. And, and Paul's going to go into explaining um, even though he had things that he could say that would make him seem more super, more awesome than the other super apostles, he doesn't. And they literally ridicule him for how he, his appearance and how he speaks. And so this is where we're going to start. We're going to start in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 1. And he's talking about, because they want him to prove himself. And, and he's starting in verse 1, said, I must go on boasting, which sounds the opposite of what we're getting on today. But he'll, he'll clarify that. 
though there is nothing to be gained by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know of a man in Christ who 14 years ago was called up into the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was called up into paradise, where in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter on behalf of this man, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast, except in my weakness, though if I should if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool. I would be speaking the truth, not like these super apostles. But if I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. He had two great a vision. And what you're going to find out in the next verse, in verse 7, this was Paul. Which this is kind of a known thing that they would, a lot of times teachers would talk about themselves in the third person. But Paul is talking about something that happened to him 14 years ago. Let me just be completely honest with you. If I get called up into the third heaven and I come back, the next Sunday sermon is going to be awesome. I'm going to tell you all about it. We're going to have pictures that I drew from it. It is like I'm going to text and tweet and live everything from the third heaven. And then when I come back, you're going to be like, oh, my gosh, let me just be near Heath because he went into the third. I mean, not 14 years later, this is what... This is the majority of what's written about what he's talking about right now is right here. Fourteen years later, he's not told anybody about these things. Now, potentially, by the way it's written, God said, hey, this is for you, not for anyone else. But he held all of this in for 14 years because he didn't want people to be so enamored by what what God did through him and to him and exposed him to that they love that more than the truth and the power that is in God. And so in verse 7, it says, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Where did this come from? God gave him a thorn in the flesh, allowed, and, and something just for free. Uh, we Not too long ago, uh, well, probably a year or two ago, we preached several messages out of Job, and one of the things that you saw overarching with Job is, is God's in control. Satan came to God and said, can I, have, can I do this to Job? And God gave him permission. God is allowing this to happen for his purpose and so there's this thorn and and there's if you read commentaries if you go on and google it there's so many theories about what this may be um some of them ridiculous some of them like he had eye trouble you you know because in some of his letters he said i write these in my own hand in such large letters um some that he had migraines or headaches the sickness he had malaria there's all these things some infirmity that he couldn't get rid of 
And in verse 8, it says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Paul performed miracle after miracle. I mean, this guy, people would, I mean, the, the amount of people that were healed by his ministry, by his own hand, I mean, not him doing it, but God doing it through him. And three times he prayed and nothing happened. And this is a direct, a lot of commentaries will talk about, this is a direct correlation to Jesus in the garden when he prayed three times that this would be removed. And, and God said, you know, or, or Jesus was basically saying that not my will, but your will. And so Paul's reflecting this, saying, hey, please. And, and, and I just want to tell you this, it's okay. It's okay for you to pray to God for anything that's going on in your life, even if he doesn't respond, even if he doesn't fix whatever that is. And hear this, just because there's no healing doesn't mean that God isn't working, which we're going to see here in what Paul's going to say. In verse 9, it says, but he said to me. So he prays three times, and who knows how long. Maybe it's like in one night, three times. Maybe it's over three years. Maybe it's over the 14 years. He, he prayed and fasted one time, prayed and fasted another time, prayed and fasted another time, and it was not. But at some point after the third time, God responds to Paul. He says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. See, weakness provides the opportunity for God to show his power. If you're strong and you think you're strong, you're going to, the, 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 the equation is going to work out that I don't need God. You won't say that. But weakness, something that is out of your control, forces you into, just like with Paul going, I, I can't do anything about this. And, and God's words to Paul was, my grace is sufficient for you. Verse 10, it says, for the sake of Christ then, I am content with weaknesses insults, hardships, persecution, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So just in case you've ever heard this taught in a different way than this, Paul is, the weaknesses that Paul is talking about isn't your sin. It isn't like, I have a weakness for drinking. I have a weakness, whatever. Because so, you could play that in well, like, I'm going to boast all the more in my weakness. The weaknesses, which he goes through in 10, are this, you know, weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamity. Things that are outside of your control. Now, God can still work and, and, and use the weaknesses that we have in our own sin life. But what he's not talking about, because we don't want to boast, and he deals with this in Romans 6, where he said, should we go on sinning so that grace may abound? By no means. See, Paul was using this to point to how God wanted to use. Weaknesses provide an opportunity for God to show his power. For this reason, Paul can boast about his weaknesses, even though others may mock him. 
In 2 Corinthians 10.10, they literally mocked him because of his weak bodily presence. I would say he probably wasn't that impressive as a male specimen. He, He probably wasn't, you know, the Saul or the David or the brothers of David. But they mocked his weak bodily presence and his speech is of no account. I mean, that's pretty harsh. Like this is, when your job is a missionary that goes around and preaches, um, for them to go, man, you don't look the part and you definitely don't preach the part. So strength that knows itself as strength is actually weakness. But weakness that knows itself to be weakness is actually strength. See, our weaknesses should be pushing us towards Jesus, not away from him. And to be completely honest, the church at times has created this um, dynamic that makes you feel that because of your weaknesses, which some are out of your control and some of them are your own doing, sin, other things, because of those weaknesses that you should be hiding from Jesus, that you should be you know, going away, that you shouldn't be here. Like you hear all the time. I, heard, I had a conversation the other day. I was at the beach at my mom's house and the next door neighbor, I was talking to um, the next door neighbor's brother and um, she told him I was a pastor. And he's like, oh, if I, and you've heard this before. Like if I went into a church, it would catch fire or, I, you know, the building would follow me because this is a culture that we've presented to people that you should go away from God when you're imperfect and that you should come to God when you're perfect, which isn't the gospel. Like these weakness should, weaknesses should be drawing us to him because the truth here is saying that in that weakness, we have access to a power that we can't have when we're strong in ourselves. It's not there. Second Corinthians um, chapter 4, verse 7 through 11 has this picture talking about us, believers. It says, but we have this treasure... In jars of clay. Jars of clay is us. The treasure is the Holy Spirit. To show that this surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed. Perplexed but not driven to despair. Persecuted but not forsaken. Struck down but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. The crucifixion is a picture of your need. Because it had to happen because of our need. It had to happen because we didn't have the capacity to transform ourselves. We didn't have the capacity to change ourselves. And the cross is a direct reflection of what that need was. 
And it should be more than ever. And, and what I want you to hear this morning, because look, I, I've had enough conversations with people over the 17 years of ministry and here lately that despair and calamities, they're overwhelming. The fear of what's going on right now, I mean, listen, okay, let's just list some of them. COVID, and not, not saying that it's irrational fear, I'm just saying there, there's fear about what's the unknown. We don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know what, where we're going to go. Like where, you know, everywhere feels unsafe. Like never before in our culture. Like no one thought about like, I didn't. I'm like not a germ guy. But I think about like every time I see a handle. I don't, let's see what COVID has done. I mean, here recently with not recently but it's boiled over here recently in, in in the race issue in our country and the divide that's going on the, the political my goodness i think we are at a tipping point on either either way this election goes i think it's going to be interesting on the other side of it and there's so much that we could be like, it's out of control. I don't know what to do. I mean, if you turn on the newspaper, I mean, turn on the newspaper. But you can because you get it to your phone, right? So it's not an idiotic statement. It's perfect. <laughs> when you turn on your TV and you watch the news or you watch the feed coming in on your phone or iPad or computer, I mean, it is easy for us to understand that there's so much out of our control. And we can allow the fear of that to drive us from avoiding everything. Or we can allow all those unknowns, which they're all unknowns anyway, all of those things were already there. They're just brought to the surface to drive us to the one who gives grace, the one who gives mercy, the one who gives forgiveness. The one who offers new life, the one who desires our brokenness. Jesus was ridiculed because he spent time with sinners, because he ate with prostitutes and tax collectors. And the religious people were like, How could you do this? And Jesus said, I didn't come for the well, I came for the sick. See, that's who, I mean, if you read the Gospels, you see the broken coming to Jesus. Because they have no other, way, there's no other place for them to go. The lepers, the, one, the, the, um, um, the outcasts, the ones that are outside of the culture, they're in desperation. And they go to Jesus. It should be our marker to go, that's what we should do. See, humility and dependence is our goal. Pride and independence are the trap. Are you ready to surrender those and embrace your weakness? I, 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 I don't know specifically what's going on in your life. And you may be fine and dandy right now. Things may be good. You may be feeling the presence of God and be like, man, I know he is my strength. But there's people I know for sure in this room that right now are struggling with things that are out of their control. Things that are going on in their world, going on around them, happening to them that they didn't, they didn't start, they didn't initiate, they didn't do anything to cause it. And it's overwhelming. 
There's people in this room that are stuck in sin patterns that they cannot break. And I, I just want to tell you, and I don't know what you need to do with this verse, whether you need to put it in your reminders where your phone chirps at you every morning as you wake up, to say, my grace is sufficient for you. And I just want to tell you that. If you're not hearing it in your own head, because our head, our, our brain, our internal dialogue usually isn't working for us. It's working against us. And that's why they say, you know, the Bible says, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. But I just want to tell you this morning that His grace is sufficient. And you need, to, you need that statement to be regurgitated after the thing that you're struggling with. And I need you to hear from the Holy Spirit in the power and might of His life to go, my grace is sufficient in the middle. Because when things are good, when things are kind of calm, everybody's like, yes, yes. When you're getting stoned and drug out of the city dead, different scenario, which happened to Paul. And I'm going to get our worship team to come back up. And I don't, I don't know what you think about your weaknesses. I don't know if you're avoiding them. I don't know if you're acknowledging them. But I am going to tell you, if you don't walk out of here today trusting that His grace is sufficient, something is going to hit you between the eyes. Like, not literally, hopefully. But some, some scenario, something out of there, and you're going to be like, what am I going to do? And I'm telling you, like, the reason why I love this verse is because I understand, let's say 80% of the time, that I'm super weak. I know I look strong. <laughs> Sorry. I, I can nail that. Uh, I don't feel strong either. I feel hurt, broken right now. But I'm I'm aware enough. Like God is 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 pretty consistent of pointing out my weaknesses, my insufficiencies that I, I need to on a regular say Your grace is sufficient and trust that it is. I'm not telling you just to say that that statement will fix you. I'm telling you that that statement, when it is believed, when it is trusted, when there's faith in it, then you will navigate the storm, trusting that out of this, God is going to bring power. And like, here's Paul, who did absolutely, he didn't come back from his trip to the third heaven and blab about it 14 years later, because he let the power of the Holy Spirit be what he shared, what he did. It was God's strength in and through him. And be completely honest, if we do things under our power, we're going to get our results. When we surrender and let God work in and through us, then we get God's results. 
And that's what we need right now. People don't need more people answers. People need some divine, God-breathed truth. Let's pray. Lord, most of us in this room are pretty aware of our weaknesses, and most of us are pretty aware that we struggle trusting your sufficiency in it. Lord, I pray that we would be Paul today, that we would boast all the more in our insufficiency, so that then your power has opportunity to do what only you can do. So whether that means for us surrender to that power, surrender to you as Lord and Savior, or whether that means us remembering, you reminding us that your grace is sufficient, your power is made manifest in our weakness. Help us, like Paul, boast all the more, trust you. When our world seems to be falling apart, Lord, I pray that we would go, you love me. You are leading me to life. And good things are happening through this because I'm your child. So Lord, as we worship, Lord, help us wrestle with this reality. Help us identify known weaknesses, known sin in our life. Help us confess that. Help us repent. Turn from it. Help us trust you to build life in us. So Lord, that we could go into our world and and, and do the work of reconciliation just like you said last week. Lord, we love you. Encourage us, comfort us, and let us experience the measure of grace that you pour out for us. We pray these things in Jesus.